This is To Be Continued, the Coming Out Saga podcast, and I'm Amber Birch. At the moment, I use she, they pronouns, though that could change at any time, and I am here to normalize that for myself and anyone else. I came out first as pansexual and now as queer at the age of 40 after an eight-year marriage. This podcast is my attempt to sift through the many layers that are part of the after of coming out. I hope in my stories and the questions I'm sitting with, you'll ultimately see glimpses of your own story and space to be with it all. This podcast is an exploration of personal identity. I'm sure there will be times I use terms or language that don't feel right for you. And the language I use will likely continue shifting and evolving as I also learn, change, and grow in my identity. This is part of the process I'm sharing here. So I ask that you listen with an open heart, an open mind, and I welcome respectful engagement and polite feedback at any time. If not with myself directly, then I hope you will bring your thoughts to your own community and find meaningful dialogue within yourself and the relationships in your daily life. I'm glad you're here. Hello, hello. Well, I am back in my quote-unquote studio of a bedroom, which I mentioned in my last episode happens to be on a very busy avenue here in the city. So there might be an array of background noises that are slightly different from what was in the background when I would record on the farm. So if there are sirens, a lot of, uh, just a lot of vehicle traffic. (laughs) So, uh, but I... I really wanted to come in and practice something that I've wanted to practice for a while that is really outside my comfort zone, and that is just talking kind of off the cuff. I have mentioned, I'm sure, multiple times throughout my episodes that I am far more comfortable communicating via writing. That feels like my home medium in a lot of ways. And so talking is, it's definitely flexing a new muscle for me. And I am, I have largely been recording these episodes just for, you know, transparency's sake, not because it's anything to be ashamed of, but what's felt most comfortable for me has been to really write out a lot of what I want to say, and then try to read from it as in the moment and, you know, raw as I can, but those two things can kind of be at odds with each other. It's hard to be raw off the cuff when you're also reading, you know? (laughs) So uh, unless you're a theater performer and, you know, I do have some of that in my way, way, way background. And so maybe part of me wants to tap into that too. And, but anyhow, I digress. What I've wanted to challenge myself to do 
is to show up and just talk from the heart. Let it be unpolished. Let it be whatever comes out and and see how that feels and and how, you know, I don't get a lot of feedback on these episodes, which is fine. However, if anybody is listening and would like to offer feedback and, you know, thinks that it's easier to follow or easier to connect with a certain way, if I am a little bit more scripted, is that, does, does that feel um, like an easier listen? Is that more useful? Or if I'm just kind of talking with whatever comes up, is that something that you connect with? Like, I would really love to hear because I, I have no idea. And I am just um, playing around here. So, uh, but going to, I think I mentioned in the last episode that among the many new things that I've been trying since living in the city the last month, I went to a storytelling open mic. I did mention that, of course, a lot of my episode was based off of that. Okay. Hello, Amber. Unscripted. (laughs) So... (laughs) I am also learning how to be a verbal processor, (laughs) so things do not go in a linear order all the time, and that's okay. As I mentioned, storyteller open mic, one of the kind of rules per se of, of these open mics is that you get up and you're not reading anything. You can't bring anything up there with you. You just get up and you tell a story for a certain amount of time perhaps around a certain theme. And while I prepared a little bit in my head as I was driving and I wasn't even committed at that point to myself to get up and tell a story, I was like, I'm going to listen and see how I feel. However, my wheels are turning around this theme and I wonder what is there. And so I I found myself kind of crafting a story as I was driving But still, when I got up, there is no script. And it was really good practice for me. It felt both in my element and out of my element. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. It was a lot like my podcast in in many ways. And it also felt more clunky than, you know, obviously reading from a script. So I guess that's what I'm wanting to practice here. And um, I'm just letting all the and ums hang there and be okay because those are the things that I just want to scrutinize to death. They drive me nuts. Not so much when other people do them, but, you know, we hear (laughs) ourselves and head straight to the things that drive us crazy. And I want to just delete all of those little dangling things but those are part those are part of the communication that are very human so on the topic of gender it's really been on my mind a lot and i've been kind of surprised to be honest by how much on my mind it has been even though it is still a very new conversation for me to have with myself I think I started really having this conversation with myself about my gender sometime really 
really coinciding actually with when I came out. So it's been not even a year and a half that I've, I've been in this conversation with myself. And I remember dealing with imposter syndrome uh, first as coming out as queer. Well, initially I came out as pansexual and bisexual because I, I just needed something to ground myself into, a, some label of some kind. And that's what felt most resonant to me at the time. But even so, coming out in that way, I really dealt with imposter syndrome as a 40-year-old who had identified as straight my whole life because I'd never, it never was something that I felt could even be a question on the table. It was compulsory, right? I think a lot of us are now familiar with that word. There's a lot of compulsory things uh, that we can now look at in our lives and, and ask the question, is this something that is authentically mine or is this compulsory? Sexuality being one of those things, gender being another one of those things, religion being one of those things, or any sort of belief system, political beliefs. Like we could, they're, they're just endless things that we could inherit that are compulsory parts of our identities or our belief systems that we never have felt like we had permission or invitation or even an inkling to let exist as a question. So I... I felt like because I didn't have a narrative that seemed like it matched whatever I felt like was the overarching narrative of people who are queer, and because I had lived so long feeling like I was really okay the way I was, I, I felt like I was an imposter. And I, I really, the thought in my head, I remember so clearly, was if I secretly desire to be queer, which I did, I felt like I, I, I was far less scared by the notion of being queer than I was desirous of it. I was fascinated and drawn, just compelled by the invitation of it. And I was more, um, I was more suspicious of that desire than I was looking at that as really some kind of information that could be evidence of, oh, this is a piece of you. I saw it as if that desire is there for me to be queer, I must be an imposter. <laughs> I'm going to somehow will myself into this identity that doesn't belong to me because I desire it. And desire is dangerous, which, you know, coming from evangelicalism, period, but evangelical purity culture and just the whole fucked up relationship with desire that existed at that time and I, I think is, is, I hope, going through some... Um, deconstruction at this point, but at that time, back in the, 
the 90s, um, the two th- early 2000s, I, yeah, my relationship was with desire was very much, desire is dangerous. And so therefore, subconsciously, the fact that I desired queerness um, felt like, again, just evidence to the contrary. And it was very interesting to notice this dialogue going on inside of myself and really trying to be outside of it and just observing it. Wow, isn't that interesting? Like, I just remember, like, looking at these conversations in myself and being like, this is fascinating. So I say all of that to lay the groundwork for just imposter syndrome the way that I have experienced it. And I think it, there are so many things about it that are very universal. And then, of course, there are the things about it that are just kind of unique to us. But this is the way that it has really um, transpired in, in my experience is around desire and around the questions themselves and not trusting those questions entirely, um, not trusting the motivations of those questions, which is really not trusting myself. It's just a whole nother repair to make with myself that I think a lot of people perhaps who come from a very religious background might be able to relate to of just that fundamental distrust of the self. And so when it came to questioning my gender, I, I have found myself following a similar trajectory of I think that I might not be cis. Okay, let's just start there. I'm not sure. For a long time, I just let the question sit on the table and all I could do was say, I'm questioning. I'm gender questioning. That is all I know. I know nothing else. But there was a part of me pretty early on that was whispering, are you non-binary? And I was really nervous about that. I didn't trust it. I thought attached to that question was also desire. I felt like I desired to be non-binary. And I put that aside for months. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna claim that. I have to really know in order to be be able to claim that because that's a I felt like just the gravity of that for me was like I I take this seriously, which is I think there's something admirable admirable about that. <laughs> and there's also something kind of comical about that because there is this whole thing of gender for for a lot of people who are gender nonconforming in some capacity uh, is kind of a circus. It's just, it's laughable. It's not something to take so seriously. It's something that we've made up. And 
It's something that has serious implications, absolutely. It's something that people can feel very strongly about, but it also is something that we don't have to take so seriously, and it's not something that we have to plant our stake in and say, this is my plot, and I will never leave until the day I die. I'm going to be buried here on this hill of gender. Because as I'm finding, and as many, many people have found and are experiencing, that's just simply not the experience. Gender, for a lot of people, is, is something that they experience as, as fluid, as changeable, as, as an evolution. And uh, so it, it is both. It is both, uh, let's ask ourselves these big questions and let's not just uh, be flippant about it. However, let's hold it lightly enough to be able to just not, to, to be able to move with it and flex with it and drop things that just don't fit and try different things on and have fun with it. So I kind of lost my train of thought here because I'm talking all over the place, (laughs) which is something I don't do in my writing. (laughs) But that's fun, right? Um, Having fun with this. So I hope you're too uh, laughing, at least along with me, at the uh, convoluted nature of my talking here. But I, when I eventually allowed myself to claim the term non-binary. It was in March this last, this year. (laughs) We're not quite through this year. God, it feels like a long time ago, but it was March of this year. I remember working and I was doing some manual task that was very repetitive and all of a sudden, I just remember this, the thought just dropping down into me like a seed. You, like, I'm non-binary. And when it dropped into me, I was startled by the clarity of it. And it was quiet at the same time. It was just both. And I thought, I finally felt release. Like, I can claim this. This feels true of me. I felt so elated. That was like a euphoric moment for me. And from then on, I started allowing myself to claim non-binary. And, you know, that led to a lot of playing and exploring, of course, what, what does this mean for me in an intrinsic, deep way, but also what does it mean for me externally and how I express myself aesthetically and there is quite the process I went through of, okay, what, what clothes do I feel comfortable in? Um, you know, what, can I be non-binary and femme? <laughs> I had felt like I need to reject femme altogether to be any kind of gender non-conforming person. And so it's been an interesting thing to be someone that doesn't identify exactly on the binary, but also doesn't completely reject the binary in terms of how I feel in my expressions. And so, uh, which is different, you know, it is different to have a masculine expression or a feminine expression than it is to identify as a man or a woman. Those two things are very different. 
And so separating those and really getting down into the nuances of these things, I felt like, okay, I can, I can claim non-binary. I can kind of start to reclaim femininity for myself because it was something I realized I didn't have much of a relationship with. It was a very passive relationship. It was something, again, that was compulsory, that was given to me, that was expected, that was defined for me, but I never actually defined for myself or thought for myself, what does femininity mean to me? And so as I played with that, as I explored that, I felt like I was able to kind of claim the parts of femininity that still resonated with me while also exploring masculinity and trying to develop my own relationship with masculine uh, aspects of myself and everything in between. And so it's been, it's been quite the, the journey. And, um, where, my, my thought just was there and it just gone. (laughs) So, Where that brings me today, let's let's move forward here for a moment at least, is that I came to a place of some sort of, not resolution like this is again the end all be all for me, but I can comfortably like dwell here right now. I can, I can draw in these parts of my femininity. I can say I still identify with she, but I also really feel like a they. They feels like the most accurate at this point pronoun for myself because I don't I, I don't feel like just a she. I'm more than a she. I don't feel like a he. But I can identify with both of these. But I don't also identify as a woman anymore. That doesn't feel as comfortable for me. Now, I'd say that's become even more the case over time. I think in the beginning, it was like, okay, you can kind of still call me a woman, but I don't, it's just like, it doesn't bug me in a huge way, but it also kind of pings off of me like it doesn't land. That's even more so the case. Like, it feels weird to me to be called a woman. I don't like being called lady. I don't like being called ma'am. Who does? I don't like being called girl. But I, I still don't mind she. Now, what bothers me about she is that because I still, I guess, am read by a lot of people as a she, that is what people defer to. When I tell them that I use both they and she, they defer to she most of the time. That bugs me. But it's... I guess, an annoyance that I've just felt like I need to live with. But I um, currently had felt like, okay, at least the non-binary part feels pretty good. Well, then I moved. I moved from the farm to the city. I moved from my little insulated world 
my small little cave to this big expanse space where I have suddenly access to a lot of people, a lot of different kinds of people, and a lot of events and spaces where I can either go and, you know, mingle with other people who are in the LGBTQIA plus community or, you know, just the community at large where I can be my queer self wherever I'm at and see how that feels. I had thought prior to coming to the city that where I might feel most myself would be in some of these queer identified spaces. They seemed really novel to me. I'd never really had an opportunity since coming out to be in specifically queer spaces. So I was just beelining towards non-binary support group, gender non-conforming support group, you know, any of these queer events and spaces, I thought that's where I'm going to, that's probably where I'm going to find my people. I only went to a couple of these groups and I learned pretty quickly, huh, I don't think this is where I'm necessarily going to find my people, not because they're not lovely people that are in these groups, but but for me, we were just in different places, just finding people that I felt like we were kind of, yeah, in, in similar places in life, that we were just making that kind of an emotional connection with each other. It just wasn't happening but even more so, I felt such a heightened sense of imposter syndrome, which felt very disorienting coming from a season of having felt more settled in my identity, my gender identity, and then coming into this space where I thought, of all places, this is where I'm going to feel more aligned with that identity. I suddenly started feeling misaligned with that identity. And I was really frustrated and a little bit disheartened by this, but also curious because of all things, I tend to want to lean into curiosity rather than judge these experiences or these feelings that arise. How can I look at them with a lens of curiosity? What are they trying to tell me? What can I learn from this? And so I started to wonder, is there something to this imposter syndrome? Now, Imposter syndrome, again, is something, it's such a, it's such a shared experience among all kinds of queer and gender non-conforming people in the community. It's just, I, I haven't met anybody at this point who hasn't experienced imposter syndrome within this community to some degree. So it's not unusual that that would come up, but I started to wonder, is there something to how strong this reaction is in me and how frequent it has become? Is there something even deeper beneath that? Because non-binary suddenly started to feel like less like home. And I wondered why. And I felt a little bit anxious about that, a little bit sad about that, but also, huh, about that. And so I asked myself, is there some other way that some other terms, some other language that feels more like home to me right now when it comes to my gender? 
Do I need to reevaluate non-binary? Can I actually walk the talk that I've been saying and give myself the permission to make that change? To say, okay, just because this is a this is a word that I have identified with and, and has felt like home and alignment to me for a while doesn't mean that I have to stay here and doesn't mean I made a mistake or that I was wrong and I miscalculated or I misappropriated. It just means that I'm allowed to be fluid. And when I thought about that, it's the word flu- fluid fluidity that really felt like when I say that word, I relax. When I say fluidity, I find myself just at ease. Something about seeing myself as a gender fluid person, perhaps even a gender queer person, because I love queer as a, an identifying term. And so gender queer also feels very resonant to me, but fluidity itself feels more spacious to me than non-binary does right now. Non-binary feels almost too fixed to me, which is funny. And of course, going to vary from every person who would, would claim that word for themselves, what that word means to each person is going to vary. And that's the beauty of it, is you get to decide that. Um, And for me, there's something a little bit more fixed about a non-binary identity that doesn't give me quite as much sense of space as gender fluid. With gender fluid, I feel like I can show up in any moment of the day and I I can feel like I'm embodying this and then I can feel like I'm embodying this. And there's something about that movement in that space that I love, where I'm not feeling like I'm pinned down. I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to disidentify with anything that I don't want to. I just get to be fluid. And so I think that that is part of this ongoing conversation that I have been having with myself. What does fluidity look like? And how, how much am I willing to give myself, to grant myself that permission, you know? I say in the opening disclaimer or introduction to this podcast that right now I use she, they pronouns and that that could change at any time. Am I willing to back that up for myself? Because I have absolutely no problem with anybody else's pronouns changing at any time. Am I willing to back that up for myself? This is me practicing that. I kind of feel in this moment, some playful part of me wants to like just kind of gender fuck around and be like, I don't care, use any pronouns. I'm not super attached to any of them. If you want to call me he, call me he. If you want to call me she, call me she. If you want to call me they, call me they. Uh, I don't really care because honestly, how somebody views me is just whatever. It's how I feel in myself. 
It's how I embody that myself that really matters to me. And I, I don't uh, identify as somebody who is cis. I do know that. And even saying that, even saying that still feels like, but, 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 but the objector, <laughs> the objector wants to raise their hand and be like, are you sure about that? <laughs> Am I sure? Are any of us sure? Really, are any of us who are asking these questions, really asking ourselves these questions about gender and identity, are we sure? Is that even the point? I think the point is that, is that we can't even be sure. I mean, I want to be, back that up just a little bit and say, of course, of course there are people, there are people who have transitioned and are in the process of transitioning who are of very sure. I am this. I am that. We can be sure. There's no problem with, with surety and certainty about our identity. But I think for a lot of people who are in the process of just like living in the questions, the point is not certainty. The point is that if you're having these questions, that alone is valid. And I think that alone is such significant information. I had a conversation with a friend of mine recently who is just newly starting to question uh, their gender. I, I don't know at this point what, if this person's pronouns have changed. So I'm just going to, I'm going to use they. Um, but I, this person was so resonantly earnest about, I want to get this right. I want to figure this out. I want to make sure if I claim this, that it's true. And I recognized that internal wrestling match so much and was able to, at least from some months ahead in my own journey, being able to, to say, whoa, hey, I hear you. And also, it doesn't have to be figured out. This isn't something to figure out. This is something to live into. This is something to give yourself permission to play with, to have fun with, to change as you need to. And can you let yourself have that? And in saying that to them, I was also saying that to myself, to remind myself that this is true. And that at the end of the day, we may not really know for certain, but that the fact that we have these questions that are allowed to live inside of us is all the validity that we need in order to claim ourselves in however we do. And I think it really comes to claiming ourselves. How do I want to claim myself? without worrying about the judgment of other people or the perception of other people or how other people define some of these terms for themselves. And I, of course, we need to be careful if we're, if we're using terms that are clearly not our own. You know? But when, when you are feeling into a word, a term, a label that, that you have questions about for yourself, 
and you're, you're exploring it, then you have permission to play with that, to say, I'm going to make this my own. tell one last story, a recent story of something that delightfully surprised me about my gender fluidity, perhaps, but also just different aspects of myself that I've been meeting that have just been kind of coming out of the woodwork lately (laughs) in this new place of life that I'm in. I went to my first burlesque show. It was a very queer holiday burlesque show. I didn't know exactly what to expect, but I knew it would be spectacular. And it was. It was so spectacular. I was grinning so much. I was laughing. I was like whooping and cheering and just really getting into it and just watching these burlesque performers. They were performing often just one by one and just dominating the stage on their own and so many just different styles and identities and bodies and costumes and it was beautiful and spicy and playful and evocative and just creative. I wasn't just enjoying their artistic talent and performances. I was feeling almost a sense of, of longing and jealousy of, I feel like I watched them And there's a part of me that has never been able to come out that was like, I should be doing something like that. (laughs) Which I have to laugh at because no part of me, no part of me ever would look at myself and say, oh, you're just a repressed burlesque dancer. (laughs) And it's not like I'm suddenly going to, you know, quit my day job and try to try to become a a burlesque performer on the side or anything like that it was more like that part of me just wants space for to to come out to come out and play whatever that might look like and i what i loved was like again the circusry of it, the pageantry of it. It was such a wonderful fucking with gender mix of masculinity, femininity. And I came home and was feeling very inspired by certain performers and certain songs that I heard. And and one of the songs 
that I found particularly delightful, which I am a late to the game in every regards sort of person, like late to trends, late to songs, late to everything. <laughs> so I know this song has been out for who knows how long, but it was the first I had ever heard of it. The Dick in a Box song, okay? <laughs> so one of the performers did a fantastic dance to Dick in the Box and I was laughing so much and it just really tapped into some swaggery silly side of me and I did my own little choreography to Dick in the Box and was just dancing around in my room for like an hour like miming (laughs) my choreography to this song but I felt like this rascally masculine side of me was just having a hell of a time just romping around it felt like ah there there I am there's that little guy (laughs) I see you you're there you've always been there and it was so fun and I equally like loved putting on a, a dress a just sultry little dress and prancing around and doing a totally different kind of dance. And that feels to me very, like that captures where I'm at right now in really feeling into this space that I'm in with identity, with my gender identity, with my gender expression. I love both. I might one day feel so me in a very femme dress. And the next day, I might try to put on a sweater that's kind of a little bit femme and look at myself and be like, nope, mm -mm, not today. (laughs) And it really depends. It just depends. And it's very interesting paying attention to that and just letting it be. And so anyways, the burlesque thing, what did I do? I've been trying to find a dance class to sign up for. It's been one of my bucket list things since moving to the city is I'm going to sign up for a dance class. I don't know what dance class, but I'm going to sign up for something. I have Since being here, I've gone Latin dancing, I've gone swing dancing, I've gone club dancing. On my own, I've been practicing like kind of lyrical dancing as well. But when I saw the burlesque performers, I was like, I need need that. I need some of that somehow to be drawn out of me, even though it is so out of my wheelhouse. And so I found a class class, clask, like burlesque clask. Um, I found a class that is a chairlesque class, which I is like in the, in the same, you know, I guess family, I guess as burlesque and burlesque adjacent, let's say. So, um, I feel really excited about that. And really, I just feel like, yeah, these things 
are the things that are helping me come home more and more to myself and the things that are helping me identify what feels like ease and invitation and euphoria and alignment in my being, in my body, in my being, when I'm out in the world interacting with people, when I'm at home by myself, what is me? And so there is burlesque. So that's really kind of the the journey (laughs) that I've been on since really March or a little before last year and now. And just funny how things can come back full circle. Things that we thought we had resolved in some capacity could come back and surprise us and say, hey, nope. I'm not finished. I'm not finished. There's still more question here. There's still more exploring. There's still more unfolding to do here. And guess what? There probably always will be. (laughs) And instead of that being something that's frustrating or discouraging, can that be something that's actually just really fucking exciting about being alive and being human and having that ability to be able to reacquaint ourselves with ourselves, to meet new parts of ourselves, to really get to know who we are more and more over and over again throughout the course of our entire lifetime and to surprise ourselves along the way. I think that's one of the most incredible things about being alive at this point in my life that I would identify as. And I I think that I would hope for anyone who is in process that's similar, you know, that that you could be able to tap into the joy of that Um, because it can be, it can be very painful and it can be very dysphoric but it can also be so joyful. It can be all of these things, not either or. And so I, I just hope to encourage that and say that you're not alone. So those are my thoughts off the cuff. I appreciate you being here. Even if I can't see your face and I don't know, I don't know who's listening. I hope that you feel like you have some sort of a friend kind of waving to you from the ether and always feel free to reach out, um, contact me through either one of my Instagrams, kiss the earth amber, which is my personal account or at to be continued podcast on Instagram. Say hi, tell me a bit of your story, give me suggestions, anything that you wish to share. I wish you 
peace and playfulness this holiday season. Until next time.